This week we find out if one franchise can turn the clocks back to regain their legendary status. You don't want to miss this week's episode of the Indie Bar Report podcast. Yeah, right back again 254 episodes and we got to work for time apparently because we suck at time management we need better time management skills don't we brian uh we need a lot of things uh but probably a lobotomy first and the foremost baby, maybe a babysitter dude like just at a halfway measure before we start poking holes and brains we're in so much trouble here uh we, we actually probably do what we really need is like a third person here just like an actual real producer to be like, no, you guys are not going to talk about calling some random rugby player door dasher. You're not going to spend that time on that. Yeah, that's true. No, you're not going to yeah. talk about trying to get out of jury duty. That's not how this is going to go. What you so can if anybody talk out there, about, yeah. If anybody out there with like the worst unpaid internship in the world with no college credits involved, you know where to find us. You'll get a couple meaningless letters of rec if that's worth anything to you. Well, maybe you'll see how they are. Look, I'll uh, say you did more than you really did. Track. Yeah. Future employers like, well, this one's in trouble. Oh, well, it depends on the employer, I guess. I'm just saying I interview great. I I could see that. Yeah. Relatively <laughs> relatively likable. <laughs> so the problem is I have good personality and for whatever reason, some people like me. For whatever reason, people keep listening to this show. But really what they want to hear us talk about is who the hell I was referencing in that cold open. So maybe we should give that to them. I'm about it. I'll follow you there. All right. So Lexington, I wasn't planning on this being the lead story, but A, they make for a great cold open. B, they're pretty good <laughs> clickbait. And C, look, I'm going to be transparent about this. Okay. Like there's a reason we talk about the jackals and their inability to market. But am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, am I wrong? Not. You're on point. Okay, there we go. They need a community affairs manager like the Miners have. We'll talk about them later, but whatever. And the third point is they're doing some weird stuff that just popped up. So Lexington becomes a story now. The weird thing is they've removed seemingly all the counterclock branding from their social media pages. Uh, they are referring to themselves apparently as the Lexington Professional Baseball Club. And uh, it would appear as though there might be a sale on the horizon. So it is something to watch for. Or already done, honestly. Uh, that would be kind of what things are indicating at this point. <laughs> it's interesting. Well, because it's also accompanied by some rare at this point in the year transactions uh, for the Atlantic League coming from Lexington, which is also what sort of grabbed the attention that somebody's there. And then also seeing some job posts related to front office positions now uh, about three or four days ago getting pushed. So, yeah, some movement out of Lexington because they're. We knew something was up. We knew there were money troubles, and we heard plenty of rumors about what might be going on behind the scenes with a new owner, but we had not actually heard anything concrete. I basically had no one left, you know, leaking anything to me information-wise from there, and nobody seemed to really know fully what was happening that I was talking to. And then, yeah, no, uh, sounds like this is a, a done deal and does sound like Alan Stein is returning as owner. He was the original owner. He brought baseball to Lexington back in, like, 2001. So that would be a big deal. We've talked about him in the past as what we kind of felt was the best option for if they're going to stay at baseball in Lexington. So 
we'll see. It's the big first step in the right direction, but boy, is there a lot of a lot of steps left if they're going to do this right, man. Yeah, no, that, that's a whole situation that needs to get turned around because they've managed to soil two brands in a sense. I mean, they've drugged the legend's name kind of through the mother for the last Andy Shea year, especially. Then Cell will do a quick rebrand, something that looks like it popped up in MS Paint. <laughs> and it's with about as much forethought into it as me creating a, uh, a team and be a pro or in uh, create a team in the show. So you got to build up a lot of goodwill, not to mention leaving debts around town. is never a good luck, regardless of the ownership situation there, you know. Not great. Yeah, yeah which is the second straight iron to do that. Yeah, so fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Got to rebuild that trust an awful lot as well. By the way, the Ducks have an entry-level front office position for all of those. Looking for that. I uh, just want to point that out. I'm just scrolling through teamwork now. So... Which remember, kids, always check teamwork and yes, LinkedIn. Good point, actually. Yeah. Teamwork uh, and LinkedIn are the two go to's for anything. <laughs> hey, Stan Island is the chief revenue officer. What's the qualification? The weird, you got to get involved with just to track down any ball news, sort of putting the pieces together. <laughs> uh, man, what a world. Yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you have anything other than kind of what we've talked about previously? Uh, what are, What are your thoughts on this seems kind of coming together in an actual direction here? I mean, uh, it's a couple of things here. Obviously, if Alan's involved, I'm happy with that. He's a guy that had success with the brand built up to the stats it had prior to it, you know, kind of going down the tube. So that's a positive sense to have him involved in the program and have him back, you know, in a hands-on capacity. So I'm happy about that. Obviously, the last two ownership groups haven't worked out. Now, to what extent this most recent one that's departing is responsible for it and how much of that was them, you know, kind of being left holding a bag that was falling apart, you know, that that remains to be seen. In any event, a change is necessary. So that, I think that's positive. That being said, I'm not really going to get overly excited in any direction on it until really until i see meaningful change like i want to see that before i start going okay maybe 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 but yeah i guess to just boil it down would just straight up be hey you got to make a change from what you have now isn't working so what do you got to lose yeah i agree with that i also as somebody who worked in lexington it and I've mentioned this previously, it, it does make me wonder that this is the owner that people kept referencing when they would complain about the legends and then the counterclocks and like kind of what they'd become. It would say, that's not how he used to be and like how Alan Stein did things. And he did seem like a genuinely well-liked person within the, um, the community there and they still seem to trust him. And for a brand that doesn't have any trust to put him in and very likely be bringing the legends branding back, by the way, he was the one literally the legends branding and logo came from his, uh, it was inspired off of his mustache. If I recall the story properly, uh, it, it's just, that's, I mean, it's a right step. We'll see. Now it's worth noting. This is going to go, I'm going to go to the negative. I'm going to bring it back to the positive. So now you already know where this ride's going, but oh uh, just, so it's easier to follow me. At least I, I seem a little less completely all over. Uh, the previous owner, the one that just bought and had it for a year, the team for a year and did the rebrand, despite the 
rebrand, which seemed to be a panic move, which I think that was realizing the full extent of the situation there. The, he did, that owner did make a lot of the moves that I felt as, again, somebody very acquainted with the organization needed to be made. The stadium uh, renovation decisions opening up, uh, they had like 20 something suites opening a bunch of those up to be like group areas, bigger like bar areas. That's a great idea. There were a few things that they really seemed to be getting, you know, with the way they were trying to renovate and reach out to the community and sort of make the, what was a ballpark that was, if I recall built to be like a triple a ballpark and then was only ever a short season, a ballpark and now Atlantic league really bring it toward what it should be, which is big for overhead, which is big for saying good vibe for fans, all that stuff. So good moves there. However, it seems like they were completely lost on what they were getting into. They immediately started having money issues. Uh, we're owing Little League's money and getting dragged on local news. That's a tough scene. So that is a disaster. The reason I'm more encouraged with the Allen Stein move is the rumored Allen Stein move, I guess we'll still say, yeah. is that he was added as an advisor back in like March or April last year. So he has seen this go down. He knows what he's signing up for. And I think that's probably the best thing for it. It's not another owner jumping into something blindly, not understanding what they're getting involved in because there could still be real concern that he has never owned an any ball team because he was a minor league affiliate at the time. It's a much of a ball game now, but I think he's seen kind of, he gets what needs to happen here. So hopefully he'll be able to put in an educated effort and not just, you know, not just try hard, but actually try hard in a way that makes sense and hopefully has the backing of the community. So I, I think there's a lot of positives here. I think if, if baseball can work in Lexington, I do think this is what has to happen. Yeah, it has to be someone that actually has experience in the business and has had success in a market like Lexington or exactly Lexington to make it work. And it needs to be, you know, a guy making, I don't want to say educated guesses, but informed decisions, I guess is the better way of phrasing it. Mm. Yeah, I think that's well said. Yeah. So, uh, that being said, before we move on to the next bit, I do think we should just do one random week where we just log on the teamwork and look at available jobs because there are some very interesting jobs across the all the job uh, post episode. Yeah. That's when we real low on the off season content. Just start reading the job post. Yeah. <laughs> Title of the episode. Just uh job board or help wanted. Oh, that's a beautiful help wanted. Thing. There you go. Yeah. Either help wanted or the classifieds. But help one, it feels like it works a little bit better. Oh. Also, it is worth noting that rebrand. Most, I think you'll agree, most rebrands or mm-hmm. changes that are accompanied with like negative feelings, yeah. it, it wears out pretty quick. Even the genomes who had famously high backlash, which I was running social media for at the time for the genomes. Uh, and by the way, if you want some wild Twitter work, go back and check those old tweets. I think they're still up. The like the counterclocks still are getting comments about the legends when they're like, Oh, we have an announcement coming. And it's like about the schedule or whatever. <laughs> like the comments are all like, better be bringing the legends back. It's like, damn dude. Like that's a while to still be complaining about it. Like people are not happy. That's a legitimate. They're not. Here's the thing. Bad. Like I have two thoughts about that though. And I guess it's, it's not going to segue exactly into the next bit, but it does tie into something a little bit later on. Is there that much of demand for the brand, or is it just the people that are the most diehard about it have the strongest feelings about it, or the most likely to voice them? Not necessarily survivorship bias, but you know, something to that extent of 
the most adamant and hardcore are going to be the most likely to comment as opposed to people that don't care. Like, how much can we isolate that? I agree. I think to an extent it is because of that, where the people who care the most are the people who are most likely to say something and also the most likely to not want to let go of the old thing. But with that, I mean, we've seen plenty of rebrands where people are excited to get on board and there's negative backlash when the people get on board, like the Dirty Birds rebrand was kind of like that. I think it's, I think there's a lot going on. We, I think we talked about this a little bit at the time. Maybe I just did on my, uh, my channel, but you I, I really felt, shut up. I really felt <laughs> that one, it was, I still believe Lexington Legends brand is one of the strongest ones, like the, one of the best brands out there. Now we're not talking reputation within the community. That's what needs repair. I'm saying for like recognition purposes and you know, potential for brand strength. There's a ton of it there. I think also Counterclocks was one of the worst brands. So the, you went, that is sort of jarring. It, a lot of the other ones that people don't like, there's kind of like, eh, about, I, I think. They're indifferent that, as opposed to outright. And they genuinely seemed yeah. insulted by the Counterclocks thing. Like they genuinely seem like you, nobody asked for this. Nobody needed a rebrand. We wanted a better organization. Hmm. And instead you gave us this with some like shrouded, historical explanation of how this ties into the Lexington community and how this is all of us. It's like, no, nah, it's not, man. Like it, it just, nobody needed it. And really what it meant was like, oh, great, thanks. Now, like, if I want to wear a new, like, wear the team's brand, like, I got to go buy new stuff. Mm. Thanks. For a logo they don't really want to wear. So, uh, there's still so many people who are mad about it, man. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I get it, too. It's just a weak brand. It was... It just felt like it was so rushed, even though they were like, the community input's important to us, so we're going to hold like a couple of information sessions and listening sessions, but meanwhile, you come up with counterclocks, and it's just like, I don't felt lazy. It felt lazy is really what the problem is. And talk about it being like kind of insulting. If I remember, I'm trying to think, I, I couldn't obviously go to any of the town hall meetings on this, but I checked through... There was video of it. There were some notes of it. And one of them, I had somebody else that was sort of taking notes for me because there wasn't any way I could check it out. The, uh, <laughs> like, I don't think once, I, I'm trying to think it, it through. I, I poured through it because I have no life. I don't think once they mentioned rebrands. Like, at no point of the feedback they got was a rebrand ever mentioned. <sighs> I just, it, that was part of it. it. was We asked, they brought up so many issues. And then to be like, we've heard you and we're going to do this thing that nobody actually talked about. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Just like I said, but that goes back to it being lazy, though, right? Like, that's just right. Yeah. Easy solution is just, well, just clean the slate. It's like, well, no. Sometimes you don't have to throw everything out just because it got a stain on it. You got to scrub the stain out. And like, hey, it's still, it, it's the difference between throwing out like an antique or an older lamp that still looks good. It just, it needs some of the pieces changed out on it because it has a lot of wear on it just to buy like some new lamp from Target or something. And it's like, no one wants a Target lamp. I gotta say, I don't even think it's a Target lamp. This is a dollar store purchase. This is a panic move. A uh, 99 cent store? <laughs> yeah, that's the energy. Yeah. Which no hate, but I mean, is what it is. Yeah. 
which just quick vibe change. I've noticed that uh, the Glacier Range Riders are hiring an on-field pitching coach. I think they could be hiring a few things. Well, that's very well possible. I just wanted to mention that. But Shout out to Brad, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, my, my little Philadelphia Philly heart just... Todd Pratt, man. I always freeze over in the front office. I saw it again while we were doing pre-show. I was like, oh my God, Todd Pratt. <laughs> and Todd Pratt certainly never played for any other member of the National League East. I mean, he's really had that sort of Eric Kratz career, didn't he? Mm, I'll bet. Just, you know. Any case, but the, the point here really comes back to, you see a lot of coaching positions posted on teamwork which is kind of a weird place to post it but like also makes sense i've always found that to be so odd but yeah yeah it's just like i don't feel like the demographic overlaps here but one posting you won't see on teamwork is the joliet slammers managerial opening because that's been filled and it's been filled by would you say one of the best if not the best frontier league manager in the history of the league. Oh, up there for sure. Yeah. Top five or no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think. Top the three and eight, three. Crazy. I mean, there were like 20, what, 2200 or, or 1400 games. Sorry, Matt. Sorry. E, Over well, 1400 was his total with, uh, with Sioux Falls. And I, before we get too deep in the weeds, let me go ahead and yeah, off of the pass and say, we should mention the name of the person that got hired. So oh, sorry. I forgot you didn't even do that. Yeah, that, uh, that's normally important. Max, that, you know, sometimes context matters. You know, it's yeah, a weird, annoying back. thing. You know, oh, God, they made me take an ethics class about journalism. Oh, God. This is how you're matters. using it? Huh? This is how you're using it? Jesus. I never said it was a good thing. This happened to the American education system. Higher education system. Okay. Think Blame of the oldest small person Catholic you know. Schools. They're right about whatever they say about the education system. <laughs> Mike Pinto has been hired as the manager of the yes, Joliet Slammers. Uh, he the returns to the helm a few years after leaving the now defunct Southern Illinois Miners. Of the 14 seasons he spent in the Frontier League, 13 of them had a winning record. I believe it was 2018, I want to say, was his one losing year. I'd have to look uh, that back you. up on baseball reference. But yeah, that was his only losing season, or I should say non-winning season. Uh, so that's something important to note. He got a start in Joliet with the Joliet Jackhammers back in 2002. And uh, he was a Sioux Falls. I want to say they were still the Canaries at that point. I don't think they did the name switch to the Sioux Falls Pheasants, which they did for a hot minute. But he was in right. Sioux Falls in 05, 06, before in 07, going to Southern Illinois, where he would then spend the large bulk of his career. And over that time, he did have over 1,400 games played, or got games managed, which I guess for a manager, managing the game is playing the game. Hey, man. Like, sure. What go with it? What the hell? <laughs> I'll let you get away with that. Yeah, there, he's not nearly 800 wins. Although I'm sure if you add the Joliet wins from 2002, he's probably there. But I couldn't really find a reliable source to give me the numbers on that. I found him on Wikipedia, oh, so I'm not going to trust that. that. I yeah. can do that for you. Take keep doing your thing. I got you. Nearly 800 wins. A a winning percentage of 546. 
So a uh, well-established manager. And a fun fact for you, in addition to being very big into cooking Sunday dinners, full-on Italian style, like full spread. He does post this on uh, Twitter, in case people are wondering. Uh, He also is in a Chicago tribute band called the San Antonio Transit. Love that. Also, kind of a strong band name. Yeah, low-key, kind of fire. Also, final Mike Pinto uh, fun fact. He once uh, yelled at me on Twitter for referring to Barry Lyons, I believe it was, as the head ball coach in Lexington. And as you put it, you're not the head ball coach in professional ranks or in baseball. That's only for college. And I was like, I was just I don't making know a pot. about that. I was I like, I'm know. I really know that just making a pot. I, there's, it ain't that I deep. Mean, it's not the discussion of like, you don't call them. Like, there's a whole argument of like, once you're in pro ball, you don't call him coach or whatever. You just call him by his name. Like, if you're a player, but that's not what we're talking about here. But yeah, like, but uh, Skipper is fine. Like, you call him Skip. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know, man. I like Mike Pinto. We get along, but I don't know. I don't think we see yeah. eye to eye on that one. Yeah. Like, I, that's the thing. Like, that's the only time I've really had any sort of negative interaction. I was just like, I don't, it's not that deep. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I feel like that's a misread. Yeah, that's, that's my thought. Uh, it, Mike Pinto is he too old school? Let's talk about it and <laughs> just stirring it up in the off season. <laughs> does he still have it? He's been out of the game since 2021. Has the game passed him by? Too into the unwritten rules. Does there is there a place in today's game for men like Mike Pinto? <laughs> just takes a hard turn. It starts to be like, hey man, great, great career, great addition to being like, should he be fired tomorrow? <laughs> That's fine. This is the American media cycle, baby. Keep up. Um, what year did you say Mike Benno was with Julia Jack Hammerson? 2002. So that's the one where Mike, Matt Noakes is still getting full credit for that season. Um, hey, Julia, like was he, he was managing in Juliet in 2004 as well. Is that what I'm seeing? Could that be accurate? No, it's Jeff Isom. No, 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 it's Jeff Isom. Hold on, I'm getting there now. We're we're getting there. We're spending a lot of time on this for what's essentially a That's throw. That's fine. Okay, My, I'm giving myself thirty more seconds to look at this. I'm saying, who was during that time? Right, two thousand three. Do they? So did they replace him with Matt Noakes? I don't know. I just read the press release. That's all I did. Interesting. Huh. All right. I don't know. I'm not going to be able to get it, I guess. That's interesting. There is a hole in the information. Okay. All right. We got to get this thing back on the rails. <laughs> yeah. Some thoughts on Pinto's uh, hiring. Yeah, it's a good hire, man. Part of you always gets nervous when it's like more of an old school baseball guy. But like, dude, he went out. With a 560 winning percentage his last season with Southern Illinois, it's not like he lost his job because he couldn't hang. He lost the job because the team didn't exist anymore. So I gotta, f- I feel good about it, right? Like, yeah, is that weird? Good. You covered, now you covered Indie Ball, like the God Frontier League oh, at I'm the time. I, I did not. Yeah, now I'm asked to do my job. My God, what kind of cruelty <laughs> is this? I hate to break it to you. This isn't your job. I hate to break it to both of us. This isn't our job. <laughs> Hate that. I was say like it could still be your job just because it's not paid. 
I guess, sure. Okay, actually, folks, again, uh, Southern Illinois always struck me as a really well-ran organization, top to bottom. Now, obviously, Pinto had more than just a manager's job there. I believe he was also the team president, if I'm not mistaken. So he held a, a good role there, too. And I don't believe he's having anything more than just a manager position. Now, probably a bit more authority than the standard running the middle manager would be my guess. But still, his teams are always competitive. They're always well-ran. Always have a good reputation about him. Clearly knows how to win. That's a huge bonus. And given the new ownership over there in Joliet, I have a feeling winning is something that matters over there as much as, well, putting on a damn good show, which is the one thing from Vecla right. ownership you never really have to worry about. You know they'll come up with mm-hmm. something good. So it is encouraging to see a guy like that get back into the uh, into the fray, as it were, while simultaneously at the same point in time have someone that is I want like he is old school, but I also don't want to say he's not willing to adapt because obviously you're willing to bend a little bit if you're getting consistent results over such a long tenure, right? Like 14 years, you got to change it up a little bit in there. You can't stay inflexible. Otherwise, at a certain point, it's going to pass you by. So it clearly tells me he's willing to change some things up, but the core tenants remain the same. I mean, he had success over, you know, a decade and a half with one club. Like, it says, I mean, and think about it. There's, been as much as baseball has changed is there really much of a win i mean maybe if it started a little earlier but from the time that he has managed so far this it's probably one of the windows of time where baseball has changed the most the fastest mm-hmm. going from the way we understood baseball especially from a manager's perspective in like the mid 2000s to the like to 2020 like literally a third i mean he posted winning seasons in three decades with one organization so think about all that change in that window of time and that he was able to deliver results across all that. It's, it, it's interesting. And I think it, it's encouraging. It, sometimes you has state when it's sort of an old school guy. I mean, we just had thoughts about another signing what last month or maybe a month and a half ago for a team with an older manager with, you know, yeah, tri city um, where we were like, I don't think that's ago. your guy too old school. Doesn't seem to have the touch, but like, yeah, We've had all the time in the world. Think of all the players who have played for him, and I've not gotten a single DM that's like, dude's got no idea. Yeah, I've gotten things the opposite where it's like tremendous hire, great guy. Yeah. Like yeah I've gotten right. I got a decent amount of that. And I I almost think like saying old school is the wrong way of going about it. Because I right, think it's more yeah. more philosophy based, where I guess yeah, old school is one way of describing it, but the willingness to adapt, I think, is the difference here. You can have a more traditional standpoint on doing things, but if you're willing to more or less, you know, go with what the room is dictating while still holding on to, you know, what makes you, you, that's a lot different than, you know, like in the Tri-City circumstance where it's like, nope, this is the system, this is the system, and that's what it is. It's always going to be this way, even if it stopped making results. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh it's in it will be interesting to directly compare these teams i mean because you know we can <laughs> so yeah. th- this will be an interesting side by side on that and then also compare them to the people who you know rolled the dice and so many younger less proven i like it dude and so good i love 
I love it. every dynamic any ball, man. I'm so excited for the season to get going again, bud. Ugh, don't get me started, but it's going to definitely be. Uh, I'm excited to see Penta back in. That's good for the game. Yeah. And I think, and it's, you know what? It's more than that. It's something made right because you hate to see, you know, enough happens where a lot of good people in the game don't get to go out in their own terms or they get, you know, they get mm. the short end of the stick because of something out of their control. And, and it goes the other way too, where people were like, damn that guy. And they get the the boost the or leg up, and sure, a lot of it can be hard earned as well. But you know, you just see it a lot, and you know the way things ended in an organization that he put so much trust in, and and they put so much time into, uh, and just having it sort of fall out. I'm sure it wasn't as much a blindside to him, but mm. it's just it's good to see that that's not where the Mike Pinto story ends on the ball field. That's good. Yeah, it's going to get, and the thing is too, he gets another good ownership group to work with too. And I think that also mm-hmm. is, I almost want to say him going to an organization kind of is like, okay, I, I believe in that work. It's almost a mark of quality in a sense, because in Southern Maryland, they are not Southern Maryland, Southern Illinois, they had a good ownership group, right? They just decided they were done. They were tired and that's all there was to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can't blame someone that's up there in age and say, uh, you know, I agree. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. So it, this was my business and now it's not <laughs> like exactly like that's that happens. So when you put in that context, it's like nobody did anything wrong. It was still well ran. It's just like, ran I agree. Its it, yeah. it just, so, yeah. they were done and he wasn't. And that sucks. Yeah. It's a shame. Uh, I went to Christ city though. That would have been, yeah, it would be interesting. So I, like I, when I saw that higher, it made me wonder. Yeah, yeah. It made me wonder if he was an option and it's worth knowing too. Uh, from what I can tell from talking to organizations, Pinto has kind of been nosing around a little bit, talking yeah. about you know, other jobs, and I haven't really heard him. I, I, it, the vibe I've gotten is that he's been pretty selective with the organization he wants to go to as well. I don't know personally. I don't know that, but it, it seems to be the the presumed uh, uh, presumed sort of plot to this point was that he probably could have gotten something, but he was waiting for an actual a good organization that he knew he could be solid with. He doesn't need to be dealing with drama of are they we going to survive the year <laughs> at this point in his career now. But the question I have to ask for you, was that a Rocky Mountain vibe that you were getting? I hate it so much. I have something for you. Yeah. yeah. 2002, third base coach and bench coach. 2003, pitching coach. 2004, first base coach and player acquisitions coordinator for the Juliet Jackhammers. Got there. I'm just stunned. Hey, man, I got moments. To quote Daily Roman update, incredible, but you're definitely <laughs> autistic. <laughs> Again, that offer goes back out to be a producer, unpaid labor on this show. You'll be like everybody else, just without the, I was going to say glory, but let's be honest, where's the glory in this? You'll get to hear the episode in a way no one else can and you'll never want to listen again. Uh, So let's talk about the Pioneer League. When we left off, we had a leak that Davis, California was going to be the future home of the league's 12th team. So what do we got? What do we have this week, Nick? That's a very good recap. The uh, update here is we got 
light promotion, I guess we could call it, being that it was like odd hours of the night. The 12th team added to the league. I don't really know why we're teasing information we already knew, but I kind of took it to mean like, oh, this week we're going to get it. And then they posted some graphics that this time did in fact include the Davis team, but instead of saying Davis, it instead said no Cal Nomads. And there was a lot of promotional work to kind of push it like, Everyone keeps saying it could be no cow. What would you think if they were called this? Which felt like the, hey, do you guys really despise this? So we need to know if we got to like hit the emergency shoot. Or if does it suddenly imply with like, how would you guys feel if like we just were like, yeah, they're not just going to play in Davis. They're going to play in a couple other places too. How would you feel about that? The... So that's interesting. That's the read you got. Yeah. I took more of a, this was to, I, I don't, I did to, my head wants to say throw it off the scent. That's not what I mean. I, it's to like, I guess muddy the waters a little bit around the brand announcement because they, they messed up last mm. week by accidentally posting Davis and then quick deleting, but <laughs> someone caught it. Some nerd caught it. Yeah, um, somebody with no life caught it. Rumor has woke it. woke up at the right time of day. I'll learn to post at one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> um, I would say, yeah, I just felt like uh, someone, someone, someone got in trouble. That's my vibe. And then they said, how are we going to fix this? Because now everyone's like, okay, they're putting a team with Davis. And that maybe, just maybe, this is that effort to be like, or is it no Cal or is it Sacramento or are we playing in the grape vines of a winery? Where are we going to be? Okay. Yeah. The dots on Davis. Sure. But yeah. Okay. I guess we don't know where it is, but uh, yeah, I, I, the nomads branding luckily seems to not necessarily be the actual brand they're going to go with because that, that made me think bad. road warriors. Cause I was going to vom, dude. Oh. That was a traveling team. I would have gone out there and just just to give them a stern and disapproving look. Yeah, so I don't really have a ton to say on this because I'm not sure what to... We don't know if it's a distraction. We don't know if it's, you know... I think it's just a stir-up conversation, to be quite honest yeah. with you. Like, it, that's just what it feels like. I mean, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't just read that much into it. If for no other reason than it's just one, like a one-off post, it didn't do anything to build it up more, which I find to be more or less interesting that you would start to tease it and then just kind of let it die out. Like, if you're going to do the tease for the 12th team and like, this is what it could look like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, this totally isn't the same image we leaked, only instead of saying Dave says no Cal Nomads. Like, if you're going to do that, you would make, at least I would think, that sometime in the next 72 hours, we're going to get something substantial. Right. Like, you wouldn't start to do it and then be like, no, we're not going to. So, like, I think the bigger question is, was that the plan? And they were legitimately like, okay, we're going to launch this thing in anywhere from 24 to 72 hours, and then that's how it's going to go. And then something came up and it stopped it. Or was this their way of going like, all right, we're going to tease it and get it going, and then we're going to, you know, sometime in the next 10 days or so, release it. Hmm. Because you would assume by February yeah. we gotta have all this, you know. 
This has been a situation right. like Lexington, where it's just like a rebrand of a team, and the infrastructure is still largely there, even if we're doing a lot of remodeling work on the inside of it. You know, it's it's ground up here, and I'm sure they already have some sort of a front office formed and pieces around. We know they have a manager, so I would assume, you know, work's being done. It would almost be malpractice to not have at least some groundwork, basic work being done. So still it just makes it more difficult when you don't have it out in the open because now you got to worry about things getting out that you know you shouldn't have to worry about so it it just is a weird rollout for me the way they went about doing it yeah oh i agree it's a weird rollout it's just where is this role going <laughs> is yeah. really the thing and like we we can pretty much pick the direction it's just the Almost the not okay. How about this? Maybe see if you agree here. Yeah, we the rollout. We know where it's rolling. Yes, we're not one hundred percent sure of the why and maybe the how. Like that's not wrong. Are yeah. you like yeah? Are we going here for for you know a temporary thing, a permanent thing? I, I uh, if I'm honest, I threw out some conjecture the other day uh, about this. It, with my initial fears, which I can quickly summarize, it was basically that uh, it's weird that they did it this way, weird with the hours, whatever else. It's also a little concerning with the name, the nomads thing, which I feel like I don't need to worry about as much, but it was, it's just weird. It played into this weird rollout and it coming from the league and there really being no like hard team branding, even like a, a, uh, you know, like North Car- California, uh, NorCal baseball professional, like what I say, NorCal professional baseball. There's no placeholder it, to it. It, it, it just was, like there's an owner, yeah. which is something we discussed. Uh, the the thing that's interesting is I've gotten a lot of sort of insights, whether it's a leak or whether it's from people who just know or people who have supporting evidence to back things that, that speak to everything that I've pointed out, except for the ownership thing. So I do think I'm pretty comfortable saying it's probably some sort of joint ownership from the league. Uh, which all, does not indicate in in my mind that this would be a long term plan to be playing out of Davis with this team. That does make you wonder what else the plan is. There's a lot of other possible ballparks in California, and we'll see. But uh, I mean, hell, you got to wonder what they're going to do with like Stockton if if Vegas is going to keep them or not. That would be an interesting one. But that's ooh, that's so far down the rabbit hole. No, I'm not letting us do that. I'm not doing it. Nope, 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 nope. We're not doing that today. Not doing that. What I'm saying we're saying talking is, about the situation around uh, Jackson, Mississippi here too, and it's our ability yes. to to uh, be developed. And then we may have Hells. to mention how the Oakland Bees added JT Snow to the coaching staff. Yes, they did. Good pickup. Yes, I'm gonna I mean, say. We're talking about other managerial hires, like uh, who is it? Uh, Troy Perkfall, Percival, Troy Percival. Yeah. First of all, yeah, oh my yeah. gosh, that's an indicator that we're different generations of baseball fan. That hurts. That may feel yeah. old. Um, yeah, personal or just an indication that I can't legend. pronounce names for shit. You know, that's also a possibility. Yeah, possible. Where you? Uh, but he was a dog for a while, man. But moving the, to the thing, the I guess summarize because I said a bunch. Yeah. I would say my worst fears seem to be alleviated, but my concerns pretty much across the board remain. 
So mm-hmm. I just had to like process that in real time. I haven't gotten a chance to really talk this one through. It's been mostly DMs with people. <laughs> so there was a lot of processing going on in that conversation. I realized that now. Yes. A lot of those concerns still exist for me as well. I think overall, it's an interesting decision. The rollout is sloppy, I think, as of now. I I just don't like the idea of announcing there's going to be another team, saying that there's going to be a team going in with the ballers, having all that going, having all that momentum, then letting it breathe for a little bit, not doing any sort of like a slow tease or a slow indicator to kind of build up hype slowly over time, over time, over time, over time. And then just one random day in January, like, by the way, here's this thing that relates to this other screw up we had earlier in the month. And then nothing else happens with it. It's just so piecemeal to it that that's the concern to me on the rollout front. The organizational point, I'm going to withhold really any sort of major judgment on it until we actually get a better picture of that. That being said, a joint ownership thing is a little bit concerning to me if that's the way they go with it. Uh, I, it makes sense from the league perspective, certainly. But I just, there's some concern I have there if we're doing that route and the permanence yeah. of putting a team there just because I don't like the idea of having a team that you're essentially putting there to exist for a handful of years to then go away. I don't like that idea. Now, maybe that's not the case, yeah. but it yeah. feels like the case. It does. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. I would say uh, the last point that, that sort of occurred to me here, what really puts them in a weird spot, this is odd, but what puts them in a weird spot is really the level of execution from Oakland at this point. Mm. Like, that rollout's been so strong. They have such That's a thing, yeah. presence right now. They're doing really well. Video, like, their rollout, like, with high-quality video, they're really leaning, like, good production. Like, it's going to be hard. To, they're like, living up to the feeling of what the market is. legit. Yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, like, it, it really is coming across strong there. And so I'm interested to see how this goes. Yeah, but it just it's a tough one to compete with if you're also rolling out that brand. That's know? the thing. Like it's my the biggest concern, like this will be the last point before we move on to the couple other it's a bunch of other smaller stories we have this week, but we gotta get through them. The only concern I have about that is I'm concerned about a strong rollout from Oakland that loses steam over time that manages to knock off Davis, make everybody else be like, Hey, this is the standard. If they can do it, you can all do it. And then that standard that was possible in year one and two isn't viable in years three and on. And now it's like, look at this drop off. Look at how much, you know, it, basically going back to the, how popular are they going to be in year three, four and five? Right. Like that, exactly. that concern. That's the only concern I have now. Granted, that's really playing the devil's advocate on that. I'm mm-hmm. going to acknowledge that. I don't necessarily think that's possible where it's like, oh, yeah, Oakland kills off Davis and then falls off the map. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. But I do want to acknowledge that there is a world in which that is possible. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, What a weird situation. It is. Let's talk about Quebec. Yes, sir. They have an interesting strategy here. Let's lay it out. And I want your thoughts to someone that was, you know, Kind of sort of in charge of ticketing, we'll call it, you know, really, you know, head of Facebook sales, but you know. <laughs> yeah. And we're back to the Andy Shea topic. 
Uh, so Lord. Quebec apparently sold out a handful of games last year, like completely sold out before a day of, which extremely impressive. Again, goes back to my Quebec praising. Genuinely, though, to sell out games uh, on this level before the day of is really just a sellout in general. It's crazy, it's dude. Yeah. So yeah. for Quebec to have this happen multiple times to where they have to address the problem is like the definition of a good problem to have, really. Like, right. Yeah. Like we had to turn fans away at the gate. Otherwise, the fire department would have shut us down. <laughs> like that's an amazing problem to have. But yeah, it's, in order it's hard to express how wild that is. But yeah. damn, damn Quebec, get after it. God, oh, they had some weird playoff games where it's like, oh man, like any other town, this is empty, but yeah. Quebec's getting after it. So yeah, Meanwhile, I can here it. you could hear them on the on the radio call, oh, yeah, the college basketball shooting. game. Yeah, it's just like, what the hell is going on here? But I love it, uh, dude. Absolutely, it's so good for the game. It is. It really is. So to solve this problem of sellouts before the day of. They made the decision to limit season ticket sales in order to increase the quality or quantity of individual games. So essentially, they're going to limit new season ticket sales. So that way they can hold more games back and more seats back, rather. So that way, day of, they'll have tickets for walk-ups. And their reasoning was, we want to make sure that the largest amount of fans, in other words, individual ticket purchasers, unique ticket purchasers, I believe how it would be called, get to come into the ballpark and experience the uh, Quebec Capitals, which I mean, oh my God, it's like, it's the kind of thing that like a top tier college football program is doing. Like having a wait list season ticket holder program. Like it's, it's like, there should be a case study. There's this organization is on. It's, I can't think of another one like it. So strange. It's like such a perfect storm. That's the thing here. I know everyone wants another finding over Quebec segment, but I mean, like, it is just so sorry. Well, they earned it. Yeah. Check it's the like, books, dude. It's like, first off, you got two of the biggest indie ball nerds here. And now you're expecting me not to fawn over stuff that is like the nerdiest of crap. Please. In the sandlot of indie ball, Quebec is Wendy Peppercorn. Yes. A really good analogy. I will give you that. Thank you. But to the topic at hand here, it's an interesting strategy. Like the negative way of looking at it is, oh, well, you're going to limit the most hardcore and diehard fans from going to the game. But I view it rather as there is such demand for your product that you genuinely have to like slow people down to get it in. Like yep. I, I like, and the thing is too, you're, it's only new sales. It says in the release that if you're an existing season ticket holder, you can renew. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. It's just, they're not really adding too many new season ticket holders. And it, it I mean, season ticket holders are the, I mean, they're the, the prime. That's what you want. Every other organization wants as many as they can. As is so for having too many season ticket holders is so far from a concern for other organizations. It, it's, you know, that's selling in bulk. There, a season ticket holder will buy tickets from you in bulk, and then they'll renew it next year with basically no sales pitch. Mm-hmm. And that is so we're talking years of bulk sales, probably. That they're like, yeah, we gotta start saying no to these. There's just too many people who want to bulk buy tickets to see our team. Yo, what? That's unreal. 
like, yeah, props uh, to them. This is like the one time, like, or not, there's a couple of kids, St. Paul is one of them too, where like, yeah, you're right. I feel like you could justify saying, you know what? We should build them a bigger ballpark because mm-hmm. it just, it makes sense. And like, normally I'm dead set against any sort of public money going to private projects like that. Like, there's got to be some give and take here if you're getting public money for a private business. But that said here, culturally, they're clearly a landmark. They're extremely popular. And the thing is, I feel like after 25 years, you know what you're getting with this group. Mm-hmm. There's a track record here. They deliver it's a reliably stable product every time. A value product. And that's yeah. something that we've talked about a bunch. It's, it is, if you want to really insure your business for the long haul, regardless of what the economy does or whatever, deliver a good product and deliver it every day, dude, like on the field, off the field and show that you care and that you understand your market. Like it, it you see how it pays off. Cause that's what they've been doing. They've been putting in the work. They've invested where they need to invest. They've understood the community they're in and they're reaping the rewards from this. And, and you look at a lot of these organizations, you know, sometimes they'll start out hot, they'll do all the right things, but then like, it's just after a year they fall off from it. Cause maybe they don't see the results they want or they just don't have what it takes to keep doing that push, but it takes time and it takes so long to be able to like really generate that trust. But like Quebec's been there putting in that work in different leagues and different economies year after year, day in day out man it, it pays off it's, and it's not easy i'm not saying oh all you gotta do is execute 100 percent on everything like full effort but we see that when you commit there is a track record of positive results and i think that's important to understand yeah and like the thing is too i've never seen the argument made but i could see someone go well you know because the expos left and it's like they were doing this before the expos left like yeah and frankly they a major league team couldn't bring them in but here we are yeah that's the thing it's like it's so crazy here and like man like that's just such a well-ran organization like it's such and the thing is too like a lot of times when you see like oh well this is such a great attendance wise organization and well-ran it's normally like a lot of promotional work that goes into it like the vet way of doing things this is just like a straight up like oh no we're like the yankees of of indie ball we're we're gonna go in. We're gonna do it by the book. We're going to run ourselves. We're a professional organization, and we want to stress that. Like they still obviously have minor league fun. That's a given. But I don't really ever recall like some like whoa, I can't believe they're doing that type of thing out of Quebec. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember who it was. I I hope I'm right about this. I think it was was it four non blondes. That played that concert after the Quebec game this year can't be, might have been, it, but I, it really hit me when it was like whatever it was the post game concert. I don't even know if they finished the game, but it was raining, like raining, and they still did the concert. And there was like a lot of people still there, and like there was like players out in the field, and they were like playing, like everyone was having a good time. Mm. It's like man, when that is when you're running an organization in a way. That there's a post game concert yeah. and it's raining, and everyone there is like, they're going to still deliver the hell out of this. Yeah. 
like that says something that's trust and 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 then also affords you the opportunity to do different things because they'll follow you there it's the same thing yeah. in a di very different context same thing that savannah bananas have it's they know they can do they knew they could do banana ball because the thing they'd been doing before like people would tear down the walls to go see them in that town yeah. so they knew they'll follow us here and that i mean having that ability is priceless because also allows you to swing and miss occasionally, which is yeah. some a luxury not every team has. It is. I mean, like I go back to like the moment for me was the game where they lost power for it's over a half hour, and the crowd's reaction wasn't like to oh, okay, I guess we'll leave and we'll come back a different day. The crowd stayed in a playoff game when the lights went out, and their reaction was. Oh well, we'll hold up our phones like lighters and just sing along to like whatever song's playing. Like Here, it's vibey. Yeah, it's just like oh my god, this is just like something else. Like I hear the thing is too like, and I genuinely like across baseball, that's an atmosphere that is just so unique to find, to have it on any level really, to have that kind of dedication. And that kind of vibe is just so unique and so different and just so, I don't even know if I have the words to describe that. Like, it's just what, like, as an organization on any level, you strive for that. Because that means we've done something right here. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, it does also speak to the importance of having a vision and sticking to it. Yeah, I feel like uh, a lot of teams, front offices, and this goes all the way to top levels, have this. <laughs> it's a it's a cliche in the corporate world right now. The uh, one of like the corporate buzzwords is huge this year is pivot. Got to pivot. Got to be able to pivot. 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 Stop. Like what it takes is understanding actually where you're going and not changing the vision every thirty seconds based on the last you know survey or where the wind's blowing today. It's understanding what the goal is and who is at the center of it and like executing that for a long time. If I recall, I'm not as well versed on the the members of the front office, but most of the front office, I feel like, is, is pretty well tenured there. Hmm. And I think that's probably part of it too. It's that cohesion. It's I would assume that costs a little more money, you'd like to think, to have that instead of just whatever fresh out of college kid is going to do some office-level position, even though that's inadvisable. Um, yeah, man, it's just, it is an investment in as many ways as you can think of. And it seems that they're really doing a good job of it. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's the thing though. You can afford to pay them more when you're getting the results. When you're getting the, when you're having to limit season ticket sales, cause there's so damn many. Of them. I know it's just, oh my God. Like, and you go onto the website, it goes and it translates everything. And when you go onto their about section, you have the whole Canuck stadium the history of it, a guided tour, you have a whole community tab, the foundation of them, a guide to your first visit at the ballpark. Like, it's so in-depth, dude. Like, this mm -hmm. is just... Oh, man. This is just such a great organization. I'm sure people are tired of us talking about how... Yeah, great sorry if you just fast-forward through all this. Yeah, but like, man... Oh, God, you just look at it. I mean, like... Like, LaPointe was the guy that ran the show before Scalabrini, so he just moved up in the organization. Like, oh, God, this team is so good, man. They're just so good. 
Uh, let's start flying over something else. Let's talk about the miners. Let's switch to different uh, Frontier League teams because they're they're trying they're making strides to get into the community. I'll, we'll put it like that. They have made the, the the executive decision to hire a community engagement coordinator. Uh, Scott Davies is going to hold that role. He was a radio host for a few years, but mainly he was a, a principal for an elementary school or two elementary schools, really, uh, from '93 to 2021. Uh, he's held various guest service roles. This is he had a little bit of time with uh, the Boulders, works with MetLife, some other kind of MetLife Stadium that is, uh, other capacities as that as well. He has some time in the Miners organization. He was the PA guy last year, so he's moving up into that organization a little bit further as well. Engagement wise, I do think it is important. Sussex County is a very large county by New Jersey standards, and it it's. I won't even try to be nice about it. It's sparsely populated. You have to do a lot more to engage that community. It's my more or less point when I talk about population densities. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a role like this. I feel like it's a positive addition there because even back Can-Am wise and Frontier wise, Sussex County doesn't do wonders on attendance. They're normally the bottom part of the league. It's fine. They get by on it. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're like jackal numbers, you know. Speaking of jackals, let's talk about that shared ownership group, which both which now does seem be, which seems to be prioritizing a lot more community engagement. I'm not sure what brought on this revelation that huh, having two teams that are both like bottom five in attendance is a in fact a financial hardship, and we should look <laughs> to alleviate that. But I am glad to see that you know positive steps are being taken it is a good thing in the end that something like this occurs and i think the person they picked is interesting there's not that much of a history in the organization but there is some familiarity and the fact they picked someone whose essentially career was handling parents and children which typically is your primary demographic for minor league baseball games leads me to think the thought process was, well, he knows how to deal with the primary demographic of people that are likely to come to these games that aren't coming to these games. Let's put him in charge because maybe he knows something that we don't on how to reach these people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't really have a ton of insight into it. I think you you pretty much got it. Yeah. Um, they, they're identifying there's somebody that they're not connecting with. And... and, and I've been to a couple Sussex games, both of them in weird circumstances. So I'm not, I don't, I, I like the Sussex crowd. I like the Sussex vibe. I, I like what's going on there. I, I generally, ge- um, generally see them as a, you know, above average organization. However, I, both times I was there, I did kind of feel like the vibe was kind of, um, I don't know. It, it felt a little flat. Maybe it, it I was going to say it needed like, a little bit of a jolt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it did seem less. It felt like an older crowd than average, which again, I think that's also an area thing. Yeah, it's, it, it's just it, a demo. It is funny that stuck out to me before, and and now it's sort of come back to my memory that I felt at the time. And um, we might even mention it when we were there together, but yeah. It, so yeah, the, it must have been obvious <laughs> that hey, we needed to start doing something in this specific range. It's, I don't know. Yeah, to, it's cut, interesting to, to see. Yeah, to cut you off, it is the kind of market where you're just as likely to be able to hear the conversation of someone three seats over or three sections over 
as you are to have a really electric crowd. Because I've seen that crowd get excited before. I mean, yeah. look at no further than when they were really doing well those last few years in the Can-Am League. That was an energized crowd. That was an excited crowd, a crowd that looked forward to going out every night. And honestly, I think this goes back to, assuming we haven't already alienated everybody that's in that particular ownership structure and the miners in particular here, my word of advice would be, it seems like a marketplace from my experience that values familiarity. They Mm, value seeing the same faces. Now that's half, you know, staff that they're going to interact with on the basic level, which is a little bit different to keep around, especially when interns are a large chunk of it. And it's pretty much just, you know, summer work, retirees, college students, home on break, high schoolers that are looking for, you know, an easy enough job. Like that's hard to keep that turnover there. You can keep, you know, your upper level positions that are really more full-time gigs. That's easy enough, but they're not interacting as much. But the players are what you can really control. You can really do something about that. At least your veteran spots. And so I don't want to be inclined to run it like, I hate to say like a college football team, but a little bit like that, you know, where maybe you go through cycles where you say, yeah, we're going to start a lot of freshmen and sophomores this year. And the fan base is going to really love to watch these guys grow with them and whatnot. And when we get to the point where we got to start making tough roster decisions because, you know, we lost some flexibility in our roster restrictions, we'll know which four or five guys we should really consider using these, you know, veteran spots on. Mm-hmm. And kind of using that. And see if you can't get three or four years out of familiar faces that guys can grow with. They already do it a little bit. But there's a reason why guys like Figueroa, Siriaco, uh oh, oh, who's the other one? Uh Maderos, Jared Maderos was mm-hmm. a was a big fan favorite. Those were guys that you know everyone's like, oh yeah, these guys. There's a couple others as well. Uh Mikey Reynolds was a dude too. You know, it, you yeah. can keep going on, you can keep naming guys. But those were guys that were popular. Those are guys that I, I think even a handful of them had their t-shirts in the uh, team store. So, you know, if you can keep those kinds of guys around, and obviously, again, it's baseball. These guys all want to move up to the next level. You get it. We understand the difficulties with it. But if you can keep some of those lower tier guys around and build them into those key roles, I feel like that's the way to go with it. You could still change some stuff up around the ballpark. So every year you come, you have something new to look at and watch at. And, you know, do different things to bring people in. But there's there's something to be said about familiarity in that marketplace. It's one that mm-hmm. likes to know to a certain level that there's always going to be an anchor point for them. Yeah, and there's a few ways to go about that. It's part of it, yes, identifying the likable people that seem to be sort of uh, you know connecting with the the fans. The other is identifying the talented players and trying to make them the likable players too. Yeah, and. And I'll tell you this, and I don't hear much talk about it as much as I would think I would, but I mean, very few players do think about it this way, I guess. So that's probably why. But if you're, you know, reaching veteran staffs in the Frontier League, it could be wise to make yourself real valuable in ways that aren't necessarily on the field, worth a thought. But I, I know that, you know, there's bigger goals. You, you don't want to think like that, that it takes a resignation to like, this is probably it which is not a popular 
resignation. And uh, that's no fine. No one wants to be I don't, I don't fault you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. I mean, I don't fault anybody in that thought process, too. I, I, I understand. I probably hung around in rugby too long. So I, I get it. Um, it's hard to watch. And maybe it's not too long. So who am I? But uh, it is just, you know, hey, food for thought. If you're looking for ways, always good to do an autograph signing, boys. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Which I think goes back to the importance of having that community director role where you can start to promote guys into that role. And the guys that are already there that are towards the end of the line. It's like, hey, you want to stick around the game? It's by doing a lot of this kind of stuff here. We can keep you involved in this. There's always going to be a role for you know a coach on staff here. And maybe you don't stick around here more than a year or two in that role. Maybe you are able to go on and get a job as a manager somewhere or go on to the college level where you could have a more direct career path. You know, there's, there's other options here. This is essentially my point by getting involved in that community role. And it starts by having someone that can, you know, coordinate that, that knows how to manage it. The whole big world of possibilities out there. Exactly. Uh, before we move on to what I think is the last pieces of news for the week, any other re- real thoughts on Davies himself? Because the other part of it that came, came to my mind is by being essentially the head school administrator, he's also able to kind of manage a bunch of fires and handle a bunch of things at one time here. And if you figure, especially off-season-wise, your main community outreach is like schools, community centers, things like that. Mm-hmm. He's your guy. He knows the politics of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... No, nah, not a ton of thoughts. The, the school connection is smart also when it comes to things like, you know, when if you're getting a school outing day out, which is a big moneymaker for a lot of oh, these yeah. teams, he, figuring out if there's a good way to get busing coordinated, if, if there's a way that you can connect to make it more attractive to schools that you would really only know if you were real in the weeds on something like um, – Lexington, I know there was an issue with figuring out the busing and we had a person who she's a, she was a mom and she knew she was like, mm-hmm. you can talk to the busing people. And, and if I remember, I forget the roundabout way, but basically ended up getting a deal with the, the busing companies to also do all the busing. So like it was handled. Like if you booked the field trip, you didn't need to figure out your busing. Like they would help you do it. So like things like that, little things that it just takes being in, in the game to know it. So yeah, yeah certainly there's going to be benefit. Yeah. Uh, one thing just for you, what would, what would you say is a team's, for lack of a better term, territory, right? Like where they realistically can say everyone that lives within this many minutes of the ballpark should be coming to this ballpark at least once a year. Okay. I'm going to give you a non-answer because it, it really does depend where you are. Okay. Because I mean, Three hours for you and I, I mean, is crazy. Three hours in Montana is different. So it, it's going to be hard to answer that way. I would say, oh my God. Um, what, like, uh, my gut wants to say, cut the distance from you to the next team in half, and there you go. Fight for the middle ground. But, like, my first thought was, like, if you're within 30 minutes, it, you, sh- like, I should feel I failed if I didn't get you to a game. That's what I was thinking. I was feeling okay. like 30 to 45 minutes. It's like, okay, this should be us. Yeah. How many dates? We, I can get you to one that, you know. Yeah. Because I'm just, I'm, I'm more or less doing this because I'm trying to map out like 
what should be the territorial goal for Sussex County? Mm, I don't really know. That's a tough one. Because, like, huh, huh. it goes back to the population point. We'll wrap it on this. So we'll segue out of it on the way we came into it, which is it's just such a hard part of the state to grab because, like I said, it's a very widely distributed population. But at the same point in time, like, only 12 miles north of Sussex is like Port Jarvis, and that's a fairly decent-sized town in New York. You got so many things that are really not that far away. Like, you could grab a yeah. lot of stuff. Like, there's population centers, and I feel like if you could do a good enough job building a good enough experience, it's not unrealistic to start to reach down to where the population is in that area. And it's a little bit of a ride, it's a little bit of a hassle, but it's realistically, if you look at a map of highways, it's not that bad to get there. There's a major highway and you can get in and out. And it, I'll put it like this. It's easy enough to get in where if you're doing it twice a year, it's not a deal breaker. If you're doing it like twice a week, you maybe don't want to do that. But fair for a couple oh, wow. times a week or once a month or something like that it shouldn't be a deal breaker to get that major population center yeah and i'm also just now now you got me looking at a map have you done mm -hmm. um oh here we go Aha. i mean just there really aren't many teams around them by the way they do have one of the biggest footprints like if you're just again going halfway to the nearest team yeah. Um, See, part of the problem they also oh. face too is if we're gonna go down the hole, is prior to the Jackals moving, you had pretty much Essex County covered by them. Then, if you went further north, up by say where Suffren is, you have you know the Boulders taking essentially Bergen County and suburban New York, which then started to cut into the Sussex area because now right where that dividing line is, it's like, okay, well, we could go to the nicer, newer stadium or we could go to the older one that's slightly closer. Hmm. That's part of the decision that you got to make, which goes back to making the experience worthwhile. So if you were to draw a line basically halfway to every team near Sussex, there's about a quarter million people living in that box. Okay. Which, the thing is, like, for a lot of people, that sounds like a lot of people because it, it's not a small amount. But in the scope of, like, northern New Jersey, it's like, hey, well, I mean, like, it's not that Yeah, many. not crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, and here's the weird one. If every single one of those people went to one game, you're probably selling out every night. Like, exactly. But, like, if you don't, yeah. you're leaving empty seats, which is, like, a weird thing to think of it. But, like, yeah. kind of hard. You're right. It's a hard area to get people in from. Yeah, it's just because... And, like, you know from going to that ballpark, part of the problem is it's one road in, one road out. Yeah, man. Definitely. Which all it takes is sitting in that traffic line once. <laughs> you're like, oh, just, do I need to be back? Exactly. So... It's just, it's an awkward thing. But the at the same point in time, it's also like you're driving to the field of dreams when you go out there too. With the cornfields yeah. and all that. 
So. Sounds like you like it out there. I don't. I don't dislike it. I'll put it like that. Okay. And on that note. On that so, note, let's talk about some. Uh, let's talk about actual flower country because Gateway done some stuff too. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. We'll go through this bit quick. This is not real major news, people. Gateway's going cashless in their ballpark for the 2024 season. Rapid fire. Any thoughts on that? No. Good. Stop slowing down my lines. Although I'm going to love those camp days where kids can no longer use sweaty $1 bills. Yeah. Like. God bless. <laughs> Every cashier worker at these games is like, thank the good Lord. Just tell some oh, seven year old. My, what fun. soggy cash you have. Exactly. Hey, hey, is that not the dread of the camp they gave where you're just like, all right, cook up a bunch of chicken fingers. We're going to be moving these things today. Yeah, right. Uh, just living the nightmare. Oh, God. At least five people right now are having PTSD flashbacks. Just play the SpongeBob song and let the chaos commence. We do need to keep this thing moving because we suck at this. So, uh, all the other two pieces of news, Gateway and Lancaster are both putting in turf fields. Gross. Don't like it. You want me to keep moving? I'll tell you, it is gross and I hate it. Yep. No one likes turf. No one likes turf except for the owners, which, sure. What about the removable mound that's going in Lancaster? <laughs> yeah, you're going to re- uh, get this piece of revolving because they will need work and we'll have another game cancellation. I wonder if we'll get a third straight year with game postponements due to mound issues. Someone find JJ Hoover. Let's get him out here. The move dog out there. Get wild with it. This would have been a good opportunity to rehash the start to finish of my time with Lexington. This actually would have been a good episode for it, but maybe we'll wait for the rebrand. Uh, I, to this day, still get DMs from players asking about what Lexington's like. I wasn't even there long, but they still like asked me about it like with the same energy of like asking like a vet what Vietnam was like, which I think is wild. And, you know, does speak to the therapy I should probably be getting. Yeah, yeah I don't got any thoughts on the turf. Turf is the turf. No. It's, it is what it is. Uh, last point, date wipe. May have dropped the price per ticket for their suites. Sundays and Thursdays, $50. The other days are $70 for one ticket in the suite. Any thought? Interesting. Um, Do people buy I was those? interested about the idea of like on a really hot day, like having them basically for like sales, like normal tickets. But I don't know. I don't think it's, I think it's a, what is it? It's a, it's a small part of the business. It's a way to move. The big money suites that you didn't make the big money off of and at least get something back off of it, yeah. I feel like Somerset's done this before, and I thought long and hard about it. It's muggy out here, very humid. I uh, being inside watching this game would be significantly better. It, watching this game while not also wishing I was dead would be a nice change of events. Exactly, because I... I'd like to not go buy a soda, beer, and fries and go, why is this $21 again? Oh, buddy. That's a whole other conversation we're going to have. I think this podcast went really well. I think it did, too. Let's do a coaching carousel next week to keep us on point. Yes. Let's get after it. Coaching carousel next week. This is a note to all teams. Please either formally announce your managers or actually hire a manager before next week. It'd be very beneficial. 
uh, I believe the last in the Q and A we said we'd bring a ranking of top ten managers. I believe so, you're correct. Yes. All right. We're gonna have to go that through. look. All right. So plan for Where's I guess Barry the carousel Lyons is. At? <laughs> Where is <laughs> Barry Lyons at? Uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll go through each team, talk about what we think about each of their managerial hires, and then we'll, I guess, go top five and bottom five at the end, or just do top five. Oh, good lord! We'll see if we feel comfortable doing bottom five. Some of us still want to work in this industry, bud. We'll just do top five. Fair enough. You'll be able to use contact clues to tell who's in our bottom five. I think people probably could. The attentive listener. The attentive listener goes, hmm, I wonder where Greg Tackert's going to be. Jesus. I'm sorry. If by this point you didn't pick up that he's not one of our favorites, I'm sorry. He either is not listening or he is waiting for me with a weapon. I don't know what the vibe (laughs) is there, but we should probably wrap this. Well, shout out to the three people still listening. Hey, you'd be surprised. People like longer episodes. I don't understand why. They enjoy our cantered, our candid back and forth conversations. What what a fun way to be like, yeah, fall asleep to this. Hey, if they listen to the end, it looks better. So Fair good enough. on them. Anywho, uh, you got anything you want to plug? Indie Ball Nation on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, keep an eye out for content eventually. I don't know. I'm multitasking way too much, so. Yeah. Yeah, Instagram. I said I was going to put stuff out this week. I got sidetracked. So uh, hopefully by the end of January, I'll have some stuff up for you guys. So go team. <laughs> Indie Ball Pod, Twitter. You guys know where everything else is. Indie Ball Report. I mean, like, hey, get us back in the top 25 baseball podcasts in the United States on Apple Podcasts. Oddly specific, so but still kind of cool. Pretty wild. And I made the strategic business decision to be like, you know, I won't run ads on this show because I won't sell out. We'll remind you of the golden rule. Until next time, don't forget to play ball. We're good. Thanks, Jesus. Uh, yeah. So that that was a show. <laughs>